Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com with a cold. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Behind every man now alive stand thirty ghosts, for that is the ratio by which the dead outnumber the living. That sounds ominous. Yeah, no, it's it's totally ominous because I also have a cold. So uh, we would like to apologize to our listeners beforehand for all the awkward pauses, coughs, clearing of throats, sneezes, and uh, other shenanigans that are going to happen as a result of uh, both of us having a cold at the same time. And the one juvenile joke, because you may think it's funny, but it's not. Anyway, Jonathan's giving me a... <laughs> now he's beating his head on the microphone again. Yep. Uh, so, yes, um, today we're going to talk about the video cassette recorder. Why, Chris, why would we ever <laughs> talk about the video cassette recorder, a, a technology that is almost forgotten about today? Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah? Uh, yeah, a, a while back... Uh, my father's uh, VCR, he, he had it uh, uh, plugged in, and during a summer uh, thunderstorm... Or as we call it in the South, a weekday. Yes. Um, a, a power surge atomized the transformer inside the VCR. Yeah, sadly, this did not give the VCR superpowers, where it then went on to fight villains in you know, various locations around the world. So cool. That's what happens in the comics, I right? Know, I know, yeah. Lightning, atomization... Superpowers. Yes. Real, real life, lightning, atomization, computers and or people don't work very well anymore. <laughs> yeah. So so basically the uh, the uh, power, uh, the thingy that makes the power work in the VCR is now gone. Yes. And I said, you know what? It would be cheaper to get a new VCR than it would be to fix this one. That which is, is very likely true. Which is, yeah, which is often true with electronics. So I, I recycled it. And uh, my, my father has a, a lot of... Uh, old videotapes that he wants to be able to watch. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go get him a VCR. Uh, I'll just go down to the department store and pick one up. As it turns out, no, I won't, because you can't find them anymore on most store shelves. Right. Um, even, yeah, even electronic stores. Yeah, they, they, if you find one, you're, you're not going to have your choice. Uh, <laughs> your wait, choice is one. Yeah. I mean, real, well, one or two maybe, but, but it's not like it was where, uh, like say you go look for a, uh, a smartphone. Mm-hmm. You have a display of smartphones to choose from. You have mm-hmm. different carriers to choose from. Uh, even, even looking for something like a Blu-ray player or, or even a DVD player. There's, there are a handful of them to choose from, if not, a, a you know, a pretty good sized display. Sure. But, uh, where that used to be the case with VCRs, uh, it is not so much the case, and I was thinking, hey, you know, I'm, they're so uh, they're so disposable. I'm sure there's going to be a tiny little VCR that I can I can get. It doesn't have to be hi-fi, you know. No, no, they're gone, and I, I was started thinking, who, when did they stop making these things? Because I I just figured that everybody there are enough videotapes out there that somebody would still make one. Yeah, I mean, hey, they do it with turntables, and people don't. Uh, people are starting to collect vinyl again, but. You know, it, it almost disappeared for a long time there. Oh yeah, after the yeah. Uh, uh, the CD became popular. So I started thinking, you know, we should look at the VCR and, and see if we can uncover what happened to it. Um, but I think first we sort of need to get it back into the technology, and uh, it's something that again uh, is something that uh, I thought it it uh, it went back to a certain point, maybe in the early eighties, uh, mid seventies, but it really goes back. Uh, decades before, into the 1950s, really. Yeah. Now, to really set the scene, back at this time, the way that that you would capture images was using film. Oh, yeah. And and we've talked about film quite a bit in this podcast, even recently, uh, where we talked about, you know, using, yeah, to use, using a chemical reaction where exposing a, a, uh, a film that's coated in chemicals to light activates those chemicals. You then process that film with other chemicals mm-hmm. to make a negative image, not one that is, you know, bad or ugly, but is negative in this. Anyway, you've heard those podcasts. So, so negative. Right. So even capturing film, motion picture film was done through this way. And the way you mm-hmm. would capture sound is you would use through various means, uh, a magnetic tape. Mm-hmm. And in the way motion picture film was working was that you would have mag- a, a strip of magnetic tape 
that ran down the side of the film that was uh, uh, arranged in such a way so that the sound you were hearing and the images you were seeing were synchronized. Right. Uh, so someone came up came up with the idea and said, "Hey, wait a minute. We we're putting sound on magnetic tape. Yes. What if we put pictures on magnetic tape too?" Mm-hmm. And that became the quest to create the the what would become the VCR. But really, at first, it was just getting video onto magnetic tape, and there there were a lot of challenges associated with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the big ones being that. That video information, uh, the the image information, took up a lot more space than audio information did. So you had to find a new way to encode that information and put it onto tape so it wasn't going to take up too much space. Otherwise, what you would have is a mile-long tape that would be maybe – Oh, a couple of minutes worth of video mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it had it required so much space to record all that information. Well, people shouldn't be too terribly unfamiliar with this this problem. I mean, uh, we deal with that every day in the internet. Uh, you know, broadband connections can give you full motion video. You can uh, uh, play games with very low latency, where you can uh, count on being able to round a corner and get a shot off at your opponent before. Uh, you know, you, you freeze and then find out that you died because there wasn't anything you could do. Right. Um, we have the same, we have the same problem with, uh, well, with DSL connections, you know, the, the voice uses a certain amount of, uh, of the, uh, telephone line's capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's how they use, uh, the telephone line to carry the internet is, is there's this unused capacity and that's how, um, that's how DSL works in, you know, and kind of simplified. Sure, sure. Um, you know, but uh, anybody who's looked at a, an audio cassette and a video cassette knows, can, can see exactly what you're talking about, Jonathan, because uh, an audio cassette is, uh, uses a much narrower piece of tape yes. um, than a video cassette can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are other challenges, too. I mean, uh, it sort of depends on how much video you want to capture. Um, a, a video cassette can be recorded in a number of different um Quality levels. Yes. And um, to fit, when, once you've standardized on a cassette size uh, and then you start adding time to it, oh, well, this one can do eight hours instead of six hours if you record it at the correct quality, then you start having to talk about the tape's thickness. Sure. Because the tape won't fit in the, the cassette won't fit in the machine if you uh, leave the tape the same size and it, it won't work the same way inside the the cassette, so something has to give. Yeah. Um, but we could talk about the mechanics of that in a moment. We yep. were going to talk about the history. And, sure, uh, yeah. So back in the 1950s. Yes, yes. And before that, of course, uh, as as pretty much everyone knows, uh, we had live TV. Um, you know, you, you <laughs> burps and gaffs and things that fall over and all. Yeah, you might have a, an, a, a famous Hollywood actor think that what he's doing is a walkthrough rehearsal instead of the actual uh, – the actual – Program, which did happen mm. with, I think it was uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Really? Yeah, he was supposed to. Apparently, um, Mr. Chaney was uh, somewhat the worse for wear because he had um, had a little uh, had a little mm. little drinky poo. Oh, I see. And thought that he was going in for a rehearsal for something that he was doing, and there was a fight scene. Mm. And uh, in the fight scene, he's supposed to pick up a chair. And it's a breakaway chair. Right. And slam it across the back of someone and knock them unconscious. He, thinking it was a rehearsal, not realizing it was going out live, mm-hmm. picked up the chair, went through the motion as if he was going to swing the chair, then very gingerly set the chair back down where it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I, I actually have this on DVD somewhere, so I'll have to see if I can dig that up. But anyway, yeah, it was live TV. It wasn't, it wasn't something that people could mess with and edit things out and, uh, you know, it went out warts and all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a couple guys uh, working for Ampex, which is, uh, again, a familiar name for people who've worked with professional recording equipment, um, named Charles Ginsberg and Ray Dolby, uh, worked on the first commercial reel-to-reel videotape uh, recorder. And that would be uh, – it looked very similar to a reel-to-reel audio recorder. This was around 1956 and uh, completely revolutionized the TV industry because at this point – you could record a TV broadcast to be played at a later time. So uh, if you had something like um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cheney's gaffe uh, happen and, you know, you could go back and do it again if you needed to. Yeah. Um, but uh, before that, everything was live. And this, this really changed things. 
uh, for the industry. Of course, these machines were, were not inexpensive. Uh, they were not tiny. As they later became. Um, and, uh, so it was really sort of the, uh, exclusive world of, uh, you know, professional TV people. Yeah. Who are using the, this kind of equipment. And that would, that would remain the case for decades. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, in, uh, it, it was 1969 when Sony came up with the first inexpensive, uh, VCR. Um, inexpensive again, meaning industry. Yeah. Not consumer. Yeah, in 1971, Sony had the U-Matic system. Oh, right, right. U-M-A-T-I-C. And that was almost exclusively restricted to commercial use. Yeah, it used a wider tape and uh, had had the advantage of being very high quality. Yeah. Um, but it was it was much larger than, uh, than what we use today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those of us who still have working videotape players. Um, but it was it was really the mid seventies when the equipment became inexpensive enough. Yeah, yeah. I actually have something kind of fun oh, fun to say before we get to mid seventies. Yeah, in nineteen seventy two. Nineteen seventy two. This is the first time we have a consumer video cassette recorder. Now this is not a VHS or beta machine. Right, right. It's it's yeah. using the same basic technology but different format. Mm-hmm. So the very first consumer VCR from my research was a Philips. Model 1500, mm-hmm. which came out in the United Kingdom, of mm-hmm. all places, in 1972. Well, Philips is a British company. Our pals in the United Kingdom. Yes. Do you get that, pal? Ah, nice. Thank you. I, There's nothing you can do with NTSC. No, no. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, they, they managed to get their hands on one in 1972. And it cost the princely sum of 649 pounds. In 1972. And I know what you're thinking, Chris. You're thinking, gosh, Jonathan, how much would that be in today's dollars? So you would have to convert pounds into dollars and then use an inflation calculator. Who has time to do that? Well, sir, I tell you, I had time to do that this morning. Anyone with Wolfram Alpha, which will do it for you automatically? Yeah, I I didn't use Wolfram Alpha. (laughs) So the answer Wolfram Alpha gives may be different from the one I have. But based upon the historical currency conversion website, Mm -hmm. 649 pounds in 1972 would be equivalent to $9,087 today. So just shy of 10 grand, the very first consumer video cassette recorder. Meanwhile, Chris is, is, is looking at Wolfram Alpha as we record this to see how, how far apart the two conversions are. Do you have an answer from Wolfram Alpha? You said 682? 649. 649. Why did I get six? Okay. 649. <clears throat> This All is right. good radio right here. Oh, I know it is. Uh, well, that's the thing is it, it, it shows you how expensive this device was at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that everybody had in there. Uh, <laughs> no, 10 grand to drop on a VCR? Yeah. Um, Do you have an answer? N- no, because I did it wrong. So oh, all right. We'll just have to ignore it. I'm okay. sure some listener will be very helpfully let us know. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, so yeah, it wasn't until uh, the mid-70s when VHS made its debut. Yeah, actually uh in well in Japan it came out in 76. Yeah. But in the United States we had to wait till 77 before it came over here. And mm-hmm. before that Sony had come out with a competing standard, the Beta standard. Yes. Uh so uh Beta had been on the market for a year before VHS managed to to come to store shelves. Uh and so there were there was the videotape wars, which I think yeah. we've actually talked about in a previous episode. We have and and of course uh Beta is short as someone else will point out is short for Betamax. Yes. Um and uh but you really didn't compete for for quite a while. Um of course uh, uh Betamax is still used uh, or or was used for a long time in um, TV work, yeah. even after it failed as a standard that you would see on the uh, uh, store shelves at your local video rental place. Right. The biggest uh, differentiator between the two, at least early on, Other was than that tape size. Was that well? It, it, beta had a slightly better resolution, yeah, than VHS, yeah, but only slightly. I mean, it, the difference wasn't as dramatic as say VHS to DVD. Mm-hmm. But it was there. It did have a higher quality image, and also uh, it could only record up to two hours. Mm-hmm. And VHS, the big thing about that was it could record up to four hours. So and that that really helped push VHS over Beta. Even though uh, since Beta had been on the the market for a year, they had managed to bring their prices down. So when VHS first 
uh, launched, it was actually more expensive. Right, right. Well, um, here again, the uh, the average consumer is is going to look at it and go, "Well, I can I can buy blank video cassettes for a VHS machine and yeah. record more video on it." Uh, to allow me to uh, record more myself, and therefore this is a better value for me, even though sure. the marginal uh, difference in quality might make me think about a Betamax machine. And the VHS standard was introduced by JVC. Yes. And uh, that's also going to be important in a little bit. But mm-hmm. JVC, uh, the first model they introduced in the United States was the HR-3300, mm-hmm. which cost $1,000 in 1977, which in today's money... Mm-hmm. $3,555. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a healthy chunk of change to drop on a VCR. Yep. And it's, it's amazing too because a lot of these machines were top loaders. I remember that. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you'd, you'd, uh, pop the door open, slide the cassette in and then push the top, uh, of the, door down yeah. back into the, the video player. I had one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was, um, you know, it's interesting to think of that because I think the last time I actually went shopping for a VCR, I was just looking for for one to so because I've got tapes, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to play them. This was years ago, but I remember running across models that were like thirty or forty dollars. Mm-hmm. So to think of it as being almost well thirty five hundred bucks in today's money back then, uh, that's kind of kind of mind blowing right there. And of course, uh, you might say, okay, so what happened between 1956 and 1976? Uh, well, one of the, there were, there were several things that happened. Of course, the, like all technology, it seems like, uh, people find out better ways to achieve the same effect. So, you know, gradually these machines are getting smaller, they're getting lighter, uh, the quality is going up, they're getting more affordable as, as people can mass produce them in greater quantities. But there was also something else, uh, that, that is common with this kind of technology. And there were people that just didn't want VCRs on, on people's home entertainment shelves. Are you talking about Organizations like the Motion Picture Association of America. Yes. Yeah. I am. So you've got these organizations that were legitimately concerned. Yes. That home access to this kind of technology would mean a, a hit. It would take the, the organization, organization would take a hit. The whole movie industry would take a hit. Sure. As people would refrain from going out to the movies and instead watch things from their homes. Mm-hmm. Same sort of concern was from the television industry. Mm-hmm. If you didn't require people to be at a certain place at a certain time, then how can you guarantee that your advertisers are spending the right amount of money for advertisements during that slot on TV? Yep, yep. Oh, 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 oh. But what, but what, but what happens? I ask you. When when your favorite uh, one of your favorite movies comes on on a local station, you could record it yourself and then never have to go see it again. You yeah, would, you you could watch it again anytime you wanted. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, so they, these were real arguments yeah. that were brought up against it. That was one of the reasons why it took a while for this stuff to get to market was just because there was a big resistance on the part of the the content providers. Yeah, so. It seems uh, like that happens every time there's, yeah. there's something – it's one of these revolutions in technology. If this episode were all about digital video recorders, yes. it would be the same story. Yeah, or audio cassettes. Yeah, audio cassettes, um, CDs. Same, same, I mean really yeah. any anytime you get to any kind of medium where you're permanently putting something down <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, there there are people who are saying, "Wait a minute, how are we going to make money now?" Well, yeah, I mean that it gave rise to uh to these industries. Yes. They were able to record it the first time and then they could show it to you or play it for you any other time for a fee. Yeah, there were yeah, two, and they were losing two, their money. Two major industries popped up because of this. You had the rental industry. Yes. So companies like Blockbuster and all the other rental agencies out there that yeah. could rent out videotapes, they would not exist without this. Right. And then secondly, you had just the home theater market industry, people who were purchasing tapes uh, so that they could own these movies that they loved in a, a more permanent fashion instead of being like, oh, I saw this great movie in the theater five years ago. It's called Star Wars. I really wish that I could watch it again, but yeah. no theater is showing it. And there's no – I mean, why would a theater release it again? Right, right. Well, suddenly this created a whole new market for these old films. So once the industries realized this, they started to they go, reverse their decision. Oh, now I get it. And they made stupid amounts of money on oh, it. Oh, yes. Like, oh, I remember buying – uh, movies, movies when they first came out uh, on on video cassette, and they were exorbitant 
Yes. $80 for a film. Well, and in a lot of cases, that was because those movies were priced for rental agencies. Yeah. So that you would have a company like Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I always use that one because that's the one that most people are familiar with. But Blockbuster would say, all right, we'll pay $100 per uh, copy of this film. Yeah. And then we'll make it up by renting it out to X number of customers. And so it'll take us, you know, a certain number of times before we make our money back. But after that, it's all profit. Mm-hmm. As long mm-hmm. as that tape is undamaged, you know, as yeah. long as that tape is, is, is lendable. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of videotapes that never went on sale for a price that, uh, that the average consumer would consider, uh, reasonable. Because it was never meant for the mass market. It was meant for the rental agency market. One of the movies – there's a movie that I, I talk about among my friends all the time called Blood Salvage. Mm-hmm. The uh, tagline is, if Jake can't fix it, it's been dead too long. <laughs> it was a gothic southern wow. horror movie about a, uh, a a guy who runs a, a, a wrecking facility. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he he has a, drives an old tow truck. And he um, salvages parts from from vehicles and people. Yeah. Anyway, I was an extra in this film. Don't even bother trying to find it if you want to look for me because you first, you don't know what I looked like when I was 12. And two, you would have to have eagle eyes and your hand on the paws because it's gone in a flash. But anyway, uh, I wanted a copy of this movie because I actually enjoyed it. It's a goofy horror movie, mm-hmm. campy, tongue-in-cheek, kind of gross. You know, right up my alley, right? Oh, yeah. So I went looking for it. $99. It's the only wow. place. Uh, finally, I got it on eBay when someone got it from like a, a fire sale from mm-hmm. some rental uh, company. But yeah, that's why those those tapes were that expensive. So by 1981, mm-hmm. all right, so the VHS has been on the market for just four years or so. In 1981, VHS made up 75% of all video cassette sales. By then, beta had dropped down to 25%. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was all VHS from there on out until really the late 1990s, and it didn't really start dropping off until the 2000s. But we'll get into that after we talk about how this stuff works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the important things, too, is um, in general, these machines all kind of work the same. Yeah. We were talking about uh, Betamax and... uh, uh, you know, three quarter for the uh, television industry, um, three quarter inch um, for VHS. They're basically they're all a, a reel of magnetic tape inside a cassette, and that's one of the, the cool things about uh, video cassette recorders is that um, these devices. I mean, and I talk about the cassettes. The cassettes themselves are designed to protect uh, the tape, which is necessary because. Uh, uh, certain young people I know would gladly reach in and, and grab the tape and pull it right out of the cassette if it was possible to do so easily. Um, it is if you know what you're doing, but it, it, it's got protections on it to keep it from getting stuff spilled on it getting or getting hooked on something by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very wise of the people who made these cassettes to uh, build in some protections. It's got a little door, and if you hit uh, uh, a cassette, if you hit the little button, spring-loaded button, uh, you can pull the door open and actually look at the tape. Yeah. Um, now, but it's got you know two reels. The, ta- mm-hmm. the tape starts on one side, moves to the other side, but it, it's the cassette also has some features to – to prevent that from being done casually. Yeah, there's some spring-loaded uh, uh, brakes on there that mm-hmm. have to be engaged in order for them to release the tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, the VCR actually has a little pin, or it's a pair of pins, really, yeah. mm-hmm. that, that insert into the bottom of the tape that releases that spring-loaded brake. Yep. Uh, otherwise, it's much more difficult. If you've ever tried to manually wind a VHS tape, you realize you know, this isn't moving very easily at all. It doesn't work like an audio cassette where you could take a pencil and yeah, know, and rewind it, rewind that way. it back. Like way. especially if the if the tape had come out a little bit. And oh, yeah. Trying, yeah, boy, I've had fun with those. Oh yeah. Um. So also the the information that's stored on this magnetic tape is not recorded linearly, left to right, no, it's or not. right to left. It's if you did that, the tape would have to be. Enormous. Yes. Because, like we said, that, that visual information takes a lot of space. So this was one of the clever ideas that the video cassette industry came up with early on, mm-hmm. was instead of recording it like a straight line, like imagine you have a really wide sheet of paper. Okay. 
All right. So it's like it's, a roll of paper, maybe. Yeah, like a roll of paper, and you've you've rolled it out from left to right, and you're going to write a message. Well, uh, you, you cut off cut off at ten feet. Okay. All right. So at ten feet, you're writing, and and you can only write one line mm-hmm. from left to right. You can't you can't go back down underneath after you get to the end. Yeah. There's a limited amount of information you can write on there. But let's say that instead of writing it directly left to right, you tilt the paper. Okay. So you're writing at a diagonal from the let's say the the uh, the top the bottom edge to the top edge, you know, in a, at a at a slant. Right. All right. And then you write one little bit of information, and then you go you take a little space, and you write again in a diagonal from the from the bottom edge to the top edge. Uh, and then you go a little bit further down. You write from the bottom edge to the top edge. And again, you're doing this at a at an angle, so it's maybe like a 45 degree angle across mm-hmm. the paper. Mm-hmm. You can fit more information on that same sheet of paper by recording it at that slant. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's what is going on with VHS tapes. They are, the information is recorded at a bias on the tape. It's not a, a direct horizontal line of information. It's several diagonal lines of information arranged in a horizontal row. Mm-hmm. And the way the the VCR copes with this is that the device that reads and writes to the uh, to the tape itself is tilted. It's 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 not uh, it's not perfectly vertical. The the drum head that does yeah. this. It's actually at a tilted at an angle so that it can read and write this information uh, at this angle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess we need to kind of dive into what a VCR looks like if you were to open one up. Okay. All right. Um, well, of course, uh, we were just talking about the, the information recorded on the tape and the drum. Uh, when you pop a, a video cassette inside a VCR, yeah. um, what it's going to do is it's going to engage all the pins and things to get the, the tape ready to play. Yeah. And it actually pulls the tape outside the case of the cassette. Yes, yes. Um, the, the little protective door lifts up. Mm-hmm. The brakes are released. And a couple of, uh, of, of guides, which are inserted behind the tape inside the, the cassette itself, when you mm-hmm. push it down, it's part of the VCR. Yep. These two guides pop up. Inside the tape, the cassette itself, mm-hmm. behind the tape, the door l- releases up and the guides pull the, the, the tape like a ribbon up to the, the innards of the VCR itself. Yep. So if you've ever popped a tape in and you hear that, that mechanical whir as it, uh, as the tape gets ready to play, that's yeah. what it is. It's the, the, uh, uh, the mechanics inside engaging that tape. And then there's that, uh, that big drum that you said, uh, was at an angle. Yeah, the rotating head drum. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is this is the all the visual information stuff is all based off of this drum. Yeah. The ones I've seen are silver in color, and yes. it's it's large. You can you, it's probably the easily most identifiable part of the inside of the VCR. I would yeah, say. Yeah, and um, this is the piece that uh, that rotates and will drive the helps drive the the uh, progression of the tape. From one reel to the other reel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are other rollers that are in there too that will also help move the tape along. It's not just the rotating head drum that that propels the tape through. Right. Uh, there's a pinch roller that also does this through uh, through. Um, uh, it, there's a a stationary roller called a capstan. Yes. And a pinch roller that's on the opposite side of the capstan. The tape moves between the two, mm-hmm. and the the pressure that the two create against each other, that's what allows it to pinch and pull that tape through. Mm-hmm. So you've got the rotating head drum and the pinch roller that are help propelling this tape through the system. You also have a couple of different um, – well, they're called heads Yes, inside the device that, are, that have specific purposes. Yeah. Now, the ro- rotating head drum is there to, to read the video information. Yes. Uh, but there is an audio head as well, mm-hmm. um, which is located over off to the side. It's not right next to it um, generally. But uh, what it does is it reads the audio track yeah. on there. And, uh, you know, a VCR uh, is designed to record um, videotapes. And if you've yes. ever had a, a videotape, uh, let's say you, you recorded um, – a show that you wanted to watch for a while before I had a DVR. I used to record shows that I wasn't going to be available to watch, and I would, uh, you know, I had a couple tapes that I used over and over again. Well, there's an erase head 
inside a VCR that will erase the information on the tape so that you can re-record it with additional tape. Yeah, without um, there being interference or otherwise you would just have stuff overlaid on top of each other over and over and over again and it would yep. be unviewable yep. unless you were you know, David Lynch or something. <laughs> now, there, uh, just like with an audio cassette, uh, there is a tab. A little plastic tab on a v, uh, VCR cassette that tells the VCR whether it's allowed to engage the erase head or not. Yes. Um, if you went out to buy a copy of your your uh, a movie that you liked from the shelves, uh, that tape that tab would be gone. Um, and you know, if you tried to hit record, you could not accidentally record over it. Now, uh, as most of us with a long history of these things know, uh, you could put a piece of tape over it, yeah, and it would allow you to do this. But you would have to actually do something yourself to allow the uh, the tape to be replaced. So that way, you would it, let's so say it let's say that you got that that uh, sweating to the oldies eight, and you're like, this is not nearly as good as my sweating to the oldies seven. You know what? I'm not going to have this debate with you again. All right. Well, anyway, you might think, I want to be able to record over this, and then you would use a piece of tape to do that. Because otherwise, like you were saying, it would prevent you from doing that accidentally. Because there's nothing like the panic you experience when you put a tape in, and then you realize that you accidentally just hit play and record and not just play. Yes. and And it's a tape that you did not want to erase. There's a... There's a special level of panic. I, I, yes. I'm not sure that I have a word for it, but I have definitely felt that you know, I've, more than once. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it also has – a VCR also has the ability to uh, read additional information about the tape. Uh, if you will, it's metadata. Yes. It's on the tape itself um, that tells the, the VCR some important things like um, – uh, when we were talking about it just a few minutes ago, uh, there, there are three, typically three modes that a, a uh, VHS tape can be played in, uh, SP, LP, and EP. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, there, we won't get into, I won't get into that just yet. Let's, okay. let's, but, um, you can, it tells, this information is along the tape, um, that tells the, uh, the VCR what speed to play the video back. At. Yeah, this is along the control track, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it also, um, you know, the, it also has a sensor. The VCR does mm-hmm. um, that tells it has some clear leader tape um, that they put before and after the the brown colored magnetic tape that tells it basically, hey, there, uh, you're either at the beginning or you're at the end of the the tape. Go ahead and prepare to shut down. Yeah, this is actually or start the movie. A very simple sensor. Yes. Because all it is is trying to detect light. Yeah. So if the regular tape is passing through, it's dark enough so that the light does not hit the sensor mm-hmm. and the sensor says, "Yep, still good." But yeah. then once it gets to the clear tape at the end, it says, "Whoa, got to the end of the tape." It actually does not say anything, by the way. Is there light? No. Is there light? No. Is there light? No. Is there light? No. I keep hearing voices coming out of my VCR. <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different problem and not covered under our podcast. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for the, for the most part, um, opening up a VCR, uh, is, there's not a lot of, uh, a glamour to it. There are, are rollers and some pins. And the the, pins basically being there to hold the cassette in place and guide the tape. Yes. Um, so that it doesn't just, you know, start snarling on things and then, then you've got a, a mess on your hands. Yep. The rotating dr- head drum is probably the most interesting feature. I mean, first of all, it's, it's one of the largest parts of the, yeah. and if you, if you were to it's look at one right and not, middle. yeah, and if you were to look at one and not know what it was, you might think, my VCR is broken. This thing is til- sideways. It's tilted. <laughs> it's supposed to be like that. Yeah. Cause like I said, it's, the, it's because of the, uh, the direction of the information being stored on that tape. Uh, the, that whole rotating head thing, uh, it's called helical scanning. Mm, helical. Yeah, because of the way that it, the information is encoded along the, uh, the tape. It's almost like a helix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, we were talking a moment ago about the, the speeds. Uh, the, uh, in SP mode, that's the highest quality mode that a, a VHS tape can, uh, can use. And it uses, uh, it goes by at about 1.31 linear inches or 33.35 millimeters per second. Um, LP is the medium. It allows you, oh, that, that's a, that's generally about two hours. Uh, yeah. LP runs about four hours. Um, and in order to do that, it, it runs the tape about, uh, 0.66, um, inches per second and, uh, or linear inches per second. And, uh, that's 16.7 millimeters per second. And EP gives you about six hours on an average cassette, um, when it's running, uh, 
at about 0.44 linear inches per second or 11.12 millimeters per second. The thing is, uh, you know, as you increase or, or actually as you decrease the speed, you're getting poorer quality. Yeah, which might sound strange to to uh to people who are um just listening to this and like wait what do you mean how how is it that going slower means poorer quality and it's because you're using you're using a uh less space to store all that information yes <laughs> that's the thing is that you know if you're if you're going faster then you're using up all that tape to store a, a, you know, a smaller amount of information than you would be if you're going slower it's mm-hmm. it's almost counterintuitive when you first think about it but then when you actually sit there and say oh wait if if i have a piece of paper that's going past me at a certain speed, and I'm 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 able to write really really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's I'm not gonna be, get as much um, I'm not gonna get as much quality crammed in there. <laughs> it's just weird, man. I sit there and I try and think about it, and then my brain breaks. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, the slower it goes, the less the the lower the quality. Mm-hmm. It's not able to to store as much information in um uh as you would if you were running it faster. True, true. And then some VCRs, too, have a flying erase head, which is not what happens when you get really fed up because your VCR is broken and you fling it across the room. Also not a David Lynch movie. <laughs> nice. Um, the erase head that we were talking about before, uh, found in uh, the less expensive VCRs, is basically just going to erase the entire tape. Um, but a flying erase head is, is, you can find it on the rotating drum itself and it actually can, uh, take individual bands and erase them. And, uh, that allows you to be more precise when you erase material from the VCR, uh, tape. Um, also, uh, if you're going to use the two faster speeds, uh, you're going to need a forehead VCR. Um, again, this is not some sort of mutant. Uh, the, uh, SP tape, only needs two heads, but a, a four-head VCR can run the other speeds. Basically, the other heads, uh, play heads, need to be there so that they can run the other the speeds. Um, so it's just one of those technological things that needs to take place in order to uh, to do that. But if you'd ever wondered what that meant when you saw it on, uh, on the cards, because you aren't going to see it now at your local department store, I can tell you. Um, you know, the, that was that was one of the marks of a more uh, uh, sophisticated VCR because you you had more flexibility to record uh, other other speeds with that. Yeah, and there are multiple standards mm-hmm. for encoding information onto cassettes. And uh, anyone who has tried to bring back a tape from another country into their home country and then realize that it doesn't play on their machine has uh, experienced this joy because yeah. the the VHS tapes from from various countries tend to be the same size. I mean, physically, there doesn't appear to be anything different about them. It's convenient, right? They don't have to make a, a new size cassette, right? But the the that en- saves money. The encoding process is different, and the playback process is different. The speeds are different, and uh, and they're not compatible. So it could lead to a flying erase head. Yeah. So our folks over at uh, our friends in, in in the UK they use the the PAL. Mm-hmm. Standard PAL, yep. uh, which was also very popular throughout Europe and other countries as well. Yep. And then the United States, and then a few other countries, including Japan, NTSC was the standard. And these again were not compatible. So, if you went over, like if I hopped on the plane and flew over to uh, Old Blighty and decided that I wanted to pick up uh, the full uh, series of Doctor Who from the classic era and then come back and watch them, I would be very much disappointed when I tried to play those in my my Un- United States VCR because right. it would not play back. You would really need to buy a VCR there and bring it back with you. Yeah. And, and then people And possibly start- adapters as well. Yes. And 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 <laughs> And then eventually someone would show up at my door and ask me if I had my television license. And I'd say, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure customs would love that. Yeah, no, they're... Bring back a trunk full of uh, electronics and plastic. Yeah, well, you know, they they didn't say a thing when I brought back the police call box, so... Um, I thought the police call box brought you back. Oh, that's right, I bypassed customs. <laughs> I just got on another list. <laughs> that was a joke, but okay. all of those things were jokes. So yeah, the different standards, but that's that's why they're not compatible. Um, yeah, and that control track also mm-hmm. holds the information necessary. Like usually, the tracking is is fairly automatic. Mm-hmm. You know that that 
tape over time warps. Yes, it can stretch. Um, yeah, yeah, the can... more you know, you're putting. When you think about it, you're putting stress on it. You, yeah. um, let's say you mm-hmm. uh, fast forward and rewind the tape over and over again, and then there's that sudden stop. I remember um, I got a uh, the the VCR I have now, um, which is thankfully still working, um, has a uh, mechanism in it to determine when it's getting close to the end of the tape, and it starts to slow down uh, when you're rewinding or fast forwarding the entire tape um, to prevent it from. Getting that sudden stop, at which the end could of the tape. eventually make the tape snap. Yes, and uh, you know the tape is the tape is very thin. Yeah, uh, it's made of a, a essentially it's plastic. Yep, uh, which is known to stretch over time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean you've spent the money on a movie or or something a show that uh, let's say you've recorded your wedding, uh, or you, you rented know, it and you don't own it. Yes, be kind, please rewind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, y- you want to take care of the tape because otherwise uh, it could get out of whack. That's yeah. any, um, If you have to mess with the uh, tracking control, you know about this because right. the tracking basically controls how the tape is reading it. And when you start to see uh, uh, static little lines in the in the video playback, you realize that the tape has started to warp or stretch. Yeah, it's not quite aligned properly. So the, the drum head's having trouble mm-hmm. uh, reading the information. So with the tracking, some of some of the VCRs, especially the later ones, have automatic tracking, yeah. where it just detects that that the things are not quite right, and it'll start making adjustments. Others have manual a tracking. In the force. Right. Others have manual tracking where you have to change a little dial or whatever and try and get it as closely aligned as possible so that you have the best possible picture. Yeah. I remember doing that a lot with stuff that we had taped off television back when I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you use it over and over again. The more the more likely you uh, the more you use it, the more likely it is to start to stretch and and uh, and warp. So, well, let's talk a little bit about what has happened to the VCR and VHS DVDs. Yeah, that was the big one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so DVDs when they premiered, uh, well, first it wasn't a huge blow to VHS at all. Well, for the same reasons we were talking about earlier in the podcast, they were the machines were expensive. Yes, DVDs were expensive, and there weren't nearly as many. I yeah. mean, you know, you could find you, the the odds of finding a popular movie in those days on VHS were pretty high. Yeah, but finding that same film on DVD could be really a challenge because there just wasn't as much content available and that form factor at that point. Yeah. That so, didn't stop DVD players from selling very quickly, however. No, no. They they had a pretty a relatively fast ramp up. I mean it it I do remember that it was a couple of years before I got a DVD player because they were they were, you know, luxury items. Yeah. Uh for a long time. But you did start to notice things like if you went to one of those rental stores like Blockbuster, you started noticing that the VHS uh, section was getting smaller yeah, and the DVD section was getting larger. Same thing in retail stores. You would go to a retail store that would sell movies and you notice that the VHS would get smaller and smaller. But DVDs started to really take over. Uh, well, well and- I mean, DVDs have some advantages. You know, there is no warping or stretching. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's the possibility that you could scratch them. Um, but even, even depending on how they scratch, they may not, um, uh, they may not be damaged enough to affect the playback significantly. Plus, you have a lot more control of, over, uh, where you can, uh, start and end. Uh, you the can, resolution was far better than VHS. Yep. You can, you can watch them in computers and, uh, even include, uh, extras that allow you to interact with them, uh, you know, games and other, uh, things Commentary that you could tracks, do. yeah, and, and things like that that you couldn't do with a with a uh, videotape. Yeah, if I ever wanted to uh, to watch a movie, like let's say Indiana Jones and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, if I ever okay. wanted to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and and have a commentary track while I was watching it on VHS, I had to kidnap Steven Spielberg and and uh, tie him up and have him sit next to me as I watched it. And that only works once, folks. Yeah, thanks to the restraining order, he won't be doing that again. Yeah, they they recognize you even if you dramatically change your look. It's amazing. Steven Spielberg has this ability. He does not forget a face. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, DVDs really became popular quickly enough that it started to put a – it started to clue the movie studios in. And, of course, at this point, uh, they were a little less likely to be upset about the DVDs, which were – uh, you know, when you buy a DVD, 
uh, from the store, you can't record over it like you could with a VHS tape. Yeah. Uh, you know, all it takes is a little piece of tape, ladies and gentlemen. For, so. for a long time, uh, the, the ability to record to DVD at all was even greater luxury than a DVD player. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, the movie studios, uh, I don't remember them making as big a fuss about DVD as they did for some of the other stuff. And so, no. uh, they, uh, people adopted it fairly quickly. It still took a while though before, yeah. uh, uh, VHS started really tapering off in yeah. popularity. In 2003, that was when DVD rentals began to finally outpace VHS rentals mm-hmm. at rental agencies. Yeah. And in 2005, DVD sales hit 22 billion with a B dollars. Mm-hmm. And VHS was down to 1.5 billion with a B dollars. So the writing was on the wall at that point. But it, the real blow came in 2008. Yes. That's when JVC, which, if you recall, was the company that introduced the VHS format, Mm -hmm. stopped producing standalone VCRs. Yeah. And that was, that prompted a lot of people to say that 2008 marked the death of the VCR. Yeah. Although I I think it's as dead as any of these other technologies are, like, um, uh, the vinyl turntable, um, the, uh, the laser disc. And some of yeah. these other the uh, the other formats there, and the thing is, I mean, you you told me too before the podcast that you have some movies that you have on on VHS cassettes that you can't find on DVD. Yeah, Blood so, Salvage. If yeah. Jake can't fix it, it's been dead too long. Yeah, so that one's not available on DVD. So uh, there you go. Um, there are reasons that that you that people are still going to want to make them available. Of course, uh, libraries and other people who have. Uh, large who spent money on these yeah. have to find a way to uh, either convert them or maintain the equipment long enough to keep it out there. So uh, I, I think it's um, it's sort of turned into a zombie technology at this point. But I just hadn't realized how far it had gone until a few days ago when I went <laughs> and tried to think, find one. Yeah, I was thinking I'll probably be able to get one for twenty dollars or so. Well, heck, CNET reported no. <laughs> that the last major supplier of VHS tapes in the United States shipped its final truckload in December 20, 2008. Wow. Well, see, that, that so, shows you how long it's been since I've tried to find a movie on VHS. Yeah, and, well, and, and a couple of films have come out on VHS, but it's been more like a, a gimmick. Yeah. Like, especially films that are uh, kind of an homage to... To certain genres that were really that came to prominence in the 1980s, yeah, which you know that's sort of the same thing we we saw with bands and vinyl for a while. Yeah, was that vinyl was kind of a gimmick, like saying, "Hey, look, we're this cool independent group, and we're supporting this uh, what some would call obsolete form factor." Uh, but you know, although vinyl <laughs> managed to to have a, a a second gasp, I'm not sure that. VHS will. And the big reason behind that, DVDs definitely were a blow to VCRs. Yes. Digital video recorders was like, that was the death blow. The DVR was a death blow to the VCR. Oh, yes. Yes. Because now you had DVDs where you could get a better quality picture and experience from the content providers. And you had DVRs, which that's what took care of the time shifting element of VCRs. Yes, definitely, because I, I actually had um, VHS or VCR Plus, which was this technology that people uh, came out with that uh, would allow you to, if you knew a code and your VCR was equipped with it, you could enter that code in your VCR and it would pick the right channel and the right date. Of course, um, my VCR didn't have the ability to change channels like my DVR does um, because it's built in. So it can change that. It knows what channel to change it to. It knows when. And I can subscribe to an entire series. Yeah. So I could say, uh, I want you to record this show, which comes on Tuesdays at eight. And, uh, the network makes a decision. No, we're going to move that to Thursdays at nine thirty. Well, the DVR can handle that. Yeah. Cause and again, can, there's metadata there that the DVR can follow. Yeah. It's, I, I can say, I want to record new episodes only. Don't record reruns. And it goes, Okay, this one's a rerun. I'm skipping it. Yeah, whereas your VCR would nope. just be like, nope, I'm going to record at this channel at this time because that's what he told me to. Yeah, and it's it's so much more – the DVR is so much more uh, flexible. Yeah, much more versatile. Uh, that, than a VHS uh, recorder is and it's just – Yeah. You know, once, between the two of those – Once the move to digital happened, VHS really had no hope. And then on top of that, if that weren't enough, even the DVR at this point I think is starting to have a bit of a slowdown – you know, people aren't buying DVRs as as frequently as they were before, and part of that is because the time shifting has gone even more dramatic, with 
services like Netflix Instant or Hulu Plus or Hulu, mm-hmm. just Hulu in general, or the Amazon Video, right. where people now have access to huge libraries of content that uh, don't require a DVR necessarily. A lot of them have access to it through stuff they already own, yeah. like video game consoles or just on, on a computer. So we've even seen the DVR have a meteoric rise and then I think – I wouldn't say that it's gone or anything, but it's de- I think it's in decline. I think companies like TiVo are finding it harder to make products that consumers are finding really compelling that they feel they have to go out and get because the 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 internet delivery method has taken off pretty dramatically over the last two years. Yeah. I I, I don't think they'll they'll die out no. like some of the other technologies simply because of uh well actually live TV. Yeah. Um things like award shows and sports and things like that that uh um you you won't be able to get later on from right. one of the streaming shows. You, know, you want to watch, uh, um, let's say the uh, the Oscars. Sure. You wouldn't be able to. You're not going to say watch the Oscars from last week on Netflix. Yeah, those of us on the East Coast are sick of the Oscars coming on so late at night for us. Yeah, it's, or, the, it's the afternoon for everyone in California, but for us, we're like, can you move it along? I have work tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, but you're right. Like the standalone stuff, uh, it's 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 not. A thing anymore. It's something yeah. you sort of expect, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing that uh, VCRs really have uh, moved off the map. I yeah, guess I'm just not in tune with what's on the store shelves. Considering such a, it had such a huge impact on consumer behavior, mm-hmm. on the industry itself. I mean, it was one of those pieces of technology that really was a game changer. Yeah, I mean, right. that's and I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and so it you know to see it kind of disappear now. It's again a reminder that. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it always will be that way. That's right. It's it's a lesson that we've had to learn multiple times, and yet people still forget about it, mm-hmm. and they'll still say, "Oh no, I can't see it. I cannot imagine a time when this will not be important." Well, there may come a time. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, uh, the only thing I think you can count on is that tech stuff will always be amazing and popular, and you should always listen to it. Depending on what format it's in, uh, no matter we transcend, no matter we transcend formats, formats, we transcend platforms. We are freaking amazing. All right. So uh, just uh, you can, in fact, that, I think that's going to be our new slogan: tech stuff. We are freaking amazing. Um, so All yeah, right, you know, you heard it from me first. All right, guys, that is our story about the VCR. And, uh, and how it works and, and its impact on technology in general. If you guys have a particular type of technology you would like us to talk about or any other kind of topic in general, let us know. You can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. Or you can send us an email and our address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?